Good morning. My name is Steve Grissom. I'm the associate pastor here at South Shore Baptist Church. Well, I don't know if you're like me, but I'm glad it's June 2nd. You can breathe a sigh of relief. Seems like May is always filled with so much uh, for our family, a lot of things going on. So it's glad that June is here and we can take a collective sigh of relief. Well, turn with me to 1 Timothy. I'm going to get there in just a few moments. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Recently, I heard on the radio that there are different types of Uber rides offered now. I haven't Ubered into work lately, but you never know when the need will arise. So here's what I found out. For premium Uber customers, these are the ones who pay an extra fee, they can select different options that include the quiet option. If you don't want your driver to talk, you can select this option, but it's going to cost you. We, we live in a world where we don't want to talk to others unless we have a screen in front of us. We want more robots and less relationship. Uber offers a service to communities, but we want service on our terms. As people who covenant together as the body of Christ, we must understand the importance of relationships. Relationships are who define us as the body of Christ. We are called to love God and to love one another. As the body of Christ, we are made not only to love God again, but we love one another as we serve one another. In our passage today, those who serve in the church are our subject. We who are united to Christ are servants. And that's not a demeaning term. That's a reminder that we are servants of our Lord God. Here in 1 Timothy chapter 3, we find out about deacons. This is another office. Pastor Cody talked about the office of elders and their crucial role in leading the church. I encourage you, if you weren't here last week, you can go back and listen to that message. Today, we look at the roles of deacons and deaconesses in the life of the church. Church leaders should have lives that are shaped by the gospel. In our sermon series, we've been studying how the gospel builds God's household. The gospel is our guide in determining between false teachers and the truth. The gospel is is our guide not only in proper belief, but in proper behavior. Now the gospel is our guide in affirming qualified servants who reflect Christ amongst us. So the big idea of this passage in 1 Timothy 3 is that deacons and deaconesses are called to complement elders, to undergird the word, and to reflect the character of Christ, and to serve sacrificially. And in doing so, the gospel continues to go forth from the south shore and beyond. So let's look at our passage this morning as we dive in. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 through 13. This is on page 1175 in the Pew Bibles. Chapter 3, verse 8. Deacons, likewise, that are be men worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine and not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested, and then if there is nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. In the same way, their wives, or you'll note footnote in your footnote, deaconesses, are to be women worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. A deacon must be the husband of but one wife and must manage his children and his household well. 
Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. Let's pray together quickly. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it continues to go forth. It is pure and perfect and without flaw. Lord, help us to apply it to our hearts. Help us to go deep into your word, to understand your word. And Father, I pray that we will understand that we are called to be servants. You have laid down your life for us, Lord Jesus. We thank you and praise you for that. Lord, teach us to walk humbly. Teach us to love one another and to serve one another. We are called to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We are called to serve one another for the glory of Christ. So, Lord, we thank you and we praise you. Teach us today. Open our eyes yet again so that we might worship you in spirit and in truth. It's in Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen. Well, just like every week, there's a lot of ground to cover. So this morning, we're going to try to go quickly through this passage. Just a few verses. But in verse 8, we read of a new office. We talked about elders, overseers, shepherds. Now in verse 8, we see the office of deacons. We see there's a distinction between elders and deacons. But there's a similarity as well. Paul, our author, begins by writing in the same way. Or perhaps your translation might say, Likewise, so Paul wants us to see what's similar between elders and deacons here in verse eight. There is much uh, there's a lot of similarity. We see in verse eight that deacons are to be worthy of respect. They're to be sincere, not indulging in much wine and not pursuing dishonest gain. Here's a quick chart that shows the comparison between the two between deacons and between elders. There's a lot of similarity. You see in verse 8, respect. And just a few verses earlier, elders are to be respectable. And the list goes on. Deacons serve a different role than elders. Deacons still, though, must hold firmly to the gospel. They still must contend for the gospel. Jude says that we are to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. This most certainly includes deacons. But it includes all of us that we are to contend for the faith. We are to believe in the truths of the faith. So as you look at verse 8, don't think, well, that's for deacons. So I I can uh, skip on to the next verse. We are called to analyze these verses uh, as the body of Christ. Let me encourage you to reflect on these characteristics in your own life. We are called to be people who are worthy of respect. Well, what does that look like? What does it mean to be people who are worthy of respect? I think of Ephesians chapter 4. There Paul writes and says that I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling which you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Patience is a key characteristic for deacons and for all followers of Christ. You shouldn't be known as a hothead. Rather, we cultivate patience. We are to cultivate patience. In fact, much of verse 8 revolves around being self-controlled in order for this to take place you must be controlled by the spirit what does it mean to be controlled by the spirit the spirit points us to the commands of christ the spirit reminds us to follow christ to obey god to follow god to know that his commandments are not burdensome but his commandments lead to freedom and as we love god we serve others we remember that god's word is powerful this is how we are self-controlled by remembering God's word. What does Proverbs 15 say? A gentle word turns away wrath. 
but a harsh word stirs up anger. So this is some of the applications of verse 8 alone. Let's go ahead to verse 9. It says, Deacons, like elders here, must hold the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They too must believe the gospel. They too must hold the deep truths of the faith. This doesn't mean that they have perfect faith or a faith without flaws. We all struggle, but we all hold the mystery of the faith, the gospel together. We hold the deep truths of the faith revealed through the person and work of Jesus Christ. As Paul talks about having a clear conscience here in verse 9 while believing the gospel, he's reminding us that a deacon's behavior must be consistent with their beliefs. So I want us to look at three main realities this morning regarding the roles of deacons and deaconesses. These realities help build up the body of Christ. And again, I don't want you to think, well, this passage is just for deacons or deaconesses, so I can check out. No, we have a lot here of application. So first of all, we see deacons are tested gospel servants. We see this in verses 8 through 10. Deacons are tested before they serve. Paul doesn't want untested or recent converts serving in this important role as deacons. So we should expect that they have been tested before they move forward in this ministry. So those who have tasted have faced temptations, various situations, and they pass with flying colors. Just like doctors must be tested before their license. Two, deacons must be tested. It says in verse 10, and then if there's nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. What do the deacons do? They support the ministry of the word going forth by undergirding and complimenting the elders. The deacons serve so that elders can shepherd. In Acts 6, we won't turn there this morning, but Acts 6, we kind of see the prototype of deacons. We see the ministry of deacons on display as particular needs arose. Well, what was the need? The widows weren't getting their distribution of food. This was the tangible need. So these deacons come and they help meet specific physical needs. Listen to for a moment from church history how in the early church they helped meet practical needs. In the early church, the function of the deacons lay much more in the sphere of practical service. The church inherited a magnificent organization of charitable help from the Jews. The synagogue had a regular organization for helping people. Each Friday in every community, two official collectors went round the markets and called on each house, collecting donations for the poor in money and in goods. The fund for the poor was called the kupa, or the basket. So this was one way that needs were met. So the deacons continue along these lines in helping people with a love for one another as they meet physical needs. Out of their love for Christ, they love and serve others. But deacons are not the only ones who serve and love others. How are you serving others? How does the love of Christ impact your love for others? Do others see a sacrificial spirit in you or a selfish one? Are you listening to others in order to fix them or to serve them? We see here that we are called to serve others. That is how we love others. Recently, in talking with one of our deacons, I asked him, 
what's one of the things that you enjoy about being a deacon here at South Shore? His response was so encouraging. He said, I get to serve behind the scenes and help people when they are in very difficult situations. And on occasion, I get to see lives changed. So there are many needs within the life of a church body, and they don't all show up on Sunday morning. So the deacons get to help and to serve. And so, in in fact, they serve in tangible, practical ways, whether it's through helping with the Lord's Supper or in helping with baptisms or in hospitality and visitation. Lots of different practical situations deacons serve. One individual told me recently they want to be a servant's servant. That's a good thing. We are called to serve others and to help others. We need servants who are willing to serve and work with others to serve. We need you to serve. Deacons are sometimes misunderstood. And I know this was part of my story in a church where at churches that I've served in the past where deacons take on the role of elders. Well, that thankfully, that's not the, the case here at South Shore. Deacons help and compliment the elders here. So now we've looked at the first three verses of this, of this section on deacons. Now let's turn to verse 11. It's the most, if you didn't notice, it's the most controversial verse of our passage. It seems from week to week there's a new mystery to unlock. Pastor Cody's had his uh, fair share of sermons. His email inbox is growing. So I thought I'd give him a little rest. So let's look at verse 11. In the same way, their wives are to be women worthy of respect. Not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. So when you read verse 11, some say it's not that hard. Just look at right there in the text. Listen to what you just said, Pastor Steve. It says their wives likewise must be dignified. And the verse goes on from there. That's one translation. But does the Greek support that translation? In every translation that says wives, as I said earlier, there is a footnote there at the bottom that says deaconesses. You see the footnote there. And in verse 11, it could be translated as, and I think it is translated as, women likewise. The New American Standard Bible, many of you familiar, are familiar with that Bible. It translates from the original languages, from Hebrew and Greek, on a more word for word and in the New American Standard, it translate verse, translates verse 11 this way. Women must likewise be dignified, not malicious gossips, but temperate, faithful in all things. So the word likewise linked to the word for women in verse 11 points to women in this unique role as servants. This verse here in 1 Timothy is one of those verses where looking at the original Greek helps our interpretation and application. We can't just say, it all looks Greek to me. So here in verse 11, there's no possessive pronoun. There's no definite article. I knew I should have paid attention more in English class. But these things are important. They connect. There's no article connecting the word, for connecting a word with women here in verse 11. So it could be simply translated as women instead of their women or their wives. Another argument for deaconesses is that Paul gives no qualifications for elders' wives. That's a pretty important role in the life of the church. So why would he do so for deacons' wives if that's who he was addressing? We should also notice that for qualifications for the women referred to in verse 11, 
it parallels the qualifications for male deacons in verse 8. One last argument for verse 11 supporting the notion of deaconesses is when you see people like Phoebe mentioned in Romans 16. In Romans 16, Phoebe is commended as a servant in the church. The word for servant is diakonon, pointing to her role as an official servant. Also, early church history outlines the idea of women serving as deaconesses as well. Clement of Alexandria, Origen, even Pliny the Younger. I won't give you all these quotes from church history. They confirm the notion of deaconesses serving the early church. And many scholars and pastors affirm this as well. So what do we learn from verse 11? Women serve the body of Christ then and they do so now. Women are to be cherished and valued within the local church. Just as Pastor Cody's been preaching, we need godly women. Godly women help the church to exist then and flourish. We need godly women now to help the church flourish. We must partner together, men and women, to meet needs so that we can continue making disciples from the people of the South Shore and beyond. But again, this passage has something here for all of us. If we're to make disciples, this begins with your development as a disciple. You must not be greedy, malicious, or self-serving. You are called to love others, serve others, and this begins with your own family. We must not forget that discipleship begins in the home. We're going to talk about this in just a few more moments. So as we discern and affirm future elders in the church, we must also do our due diligence in appointing faithful deacons for this task. So we've seen in the first three verses that deacons are tested gospel servants. So now second, deacons and deaconesses are qualified for the task. If you are a Christian here this morning, you are called to serve. In Matthew, Jesus himself said he did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. But here in verses 8 through 12, we see specific qualifications for the deacons, for the deaconesses. They are called to complement the elders. But as I mentioned earlier, there's a distinction between the office of elders and the office of deacons. One of those distinctions is that the elders are able to teach. Deacons are called to know the faith, but they're not called to teach the faith in an official, authoritative teaching role. And as we look at the qualifications here in verses 8 through 12, we see the focus is on their character. Again, Pastor Cody talked about their character, uh, the character of elders last week. We see the character of deacons, again, that they're called to be um, dignified. They're called to be sincere. They're called not to um, indulge in much wine, not to pursue dishonest gain. We see a lot of characteristics on character. So those who serve the church must be dignified, disciplined, and disciplers in their own home. Let's look at verse 12 just for a few moments. The text says, A deacon must be faithful to his wife and must manage his children and his household well. As Cody mentioned last week, marriage matters. The writer of Hebrews says that marriage should be honored by all. Elders must have a high view of their marriage. 
deacons as well must have a high view of their marriage. This is their first ministry. It's not enough just to check a box and say, oh, they are married. Those who are single can serve in this office too. So marriage is not the focus. What is the focus? Faithfulness. The deacon, like the elder, must be a one-woman man. He must be devoted to her. In the same vein, deaconesses must be devoted to their husbands if they are married. Faithfulness in the area of the home precedes ministry in the church. The second half of the verse says that deacons must manage their children and household well. This has more to do with shepherding than it does with supervising. It's not about do this, don't do that. This is about shepherding their hearts. While delegation and innovation are sought after qualities among productive leaders in many business environments, we seek different qualities among servant leaders. A deacon who manages his children and household well is a compassionate, convictional servant leader. We must understand here as we look at this section that the posture of the church is far different than the posture of the world. We serve Christ, not a company. Christ is our master. Christ is our shepherd. Christ is our leader. So this is what we see here in this passage that deacons, deaconesses are shepherding their home well. Let's move to our last verse this morning. It reveals two main rewards for deacons. We see that deacons are tested gospel servants, that they are qualified for the task, and deacons who serve well, and all of us who serve well, see gospel gains. We see this in verse 13. What are the gains? What are the gains? What are the rewards for faithful service? Well, the first gain is an excellent standing. That is a good reputation among the congregation. They are known for their service. They are known for laying their life down. And second, we see the second reward is a faith that exalts Jesus as king. Servants gain assurance. Servants gain confidence. So again, there is application here for all of us. For believers, listen to the application. We serve in response to who God is, what God has done on our behalf. What has Christ done? He's laid down his life as a servant. We have a compassionate father. We have a merciful savior. We see who God is and what he has done. And so we have great confidence. We think of what Jeremiah says, let he who boasts, boast in the Lord. So our confidence and our assurance in the faith is centered on our Savior, Jesus Christ. This is what Spurgeon said about serving. He says, one of the greatest rewards that we ever receive for serving God is the permission to do still more for him. So as believers, we have confidence in the faith. We have assurance in our faith because of who Christ is. But if you read verse 13 this morning and you say to yourself, how can anyone have assurance in, a lo- in this life, let alone in eternity? Let me beg you to trust in Christ this morning. Let me implore you 
let me urge you to trust in Christ this morning. Serving God is not the road to salvation. Trusting God through Jesus Christ is. God's lavish love is seen through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus served in the most unbelievable and remarkable way. Through giving himself and dying a death he did not deserve. In your place, through his perfect sacrifice, you can be forgiven. You can turn from doubt and distress by repenting of your sins and trusting in Jesus Christ today. This is how verse 13 ends. This is how we end this morning. It ends with faith in Jesus Christ. Place your faith in Christ today. God shows you everlasting kindness through the cross. Romans says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died on our behalf. So God shows you everlasting kindness through the cross. Receive forgiveness through Jesus Christ alone. The Psalms say, blessed is the man whose sin, whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How are our sins covered? Through Jesus Christ, through what he has done on your behalf. So receive forgiveness through Jesus Christ alone. He is your only hope. Let us pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for the office of deacons. We thank you for the deacons, for the deaconesses in this church. Lord, we thank you for the service that they do. We thank you how they serve behind the scenes without credit many times. Lord, we pray that you will bless them and encourage them. Lord, we pray, Lord, that you will raise up more servants in this church. Lord, help us all to see ourselves as servants. Lord, help us to serve our families well to serve our spouses, to serve our children. And Lord, as we serve one another, all the glory goes to Christ. Lord, we thank you and praise you for what you have done. You are good. And Lord, we thank you for your goodness that's shown to us through the cross. Lord, teach us to love you and to love one another. Father, I pray this morning that we might serve in response to the grace that's been shown us. And Lord, I pray for anyone here this morning who does not know the gospel, or maybe they've heard it a thousand times, that they might cling to Christ. They might find assurance and confidence in Jesus Christ alone. Salvation is found in His name and in His name alone. Lord, we praise You for Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.